Hey, true crime friends. Welcome back to another episode of True Crime in Academia. I am your host, Mary DePippi. I hope you are all having a wonderful week so far. If not, I hope it gets better for you. Just some housekeeping. Make sure you follow True Crime in Academia on Instagram and TikTok at True Crime in Academia. And follow the Ivory Tower Boiler Room at the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Instagram and TikTok the ivory boiler room at twitter and just search the ivory tower boiler room on facebook and you'll find our page there also don't forget to become a subscriber by going to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room you'll have access to the bonus episodes that i do each month and also you'll be able to see video interviews that we do and just a reminder that true crime and academia is strictly for educational purposes with me today, I have a very special guest. She has investigated the disappearance of Robert B., the mysterious death of Carolyn Blankenfeld, and she is currently investigating the death of Kendrick Johnson. I am talking about the host and creator of the true crime series, Ashes to Ash. Ash Patino, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to be interviewing with you. <laughs> Now, you do something that most true crime content creators don't do. You actually go out and meet the family members, the people who have investigated these crimes. Now, I'm curious, what inspired you to create Ashes to Ash? Well, there were uh, definitely some some things that came before. So obviously, um, you know, HLN with their Forensic Files was one of my first uh, introductions to true crime. Still watch uh, <laughs> Forensic Files to this day. <laughs> um, and then through the podcast realm, Sword and Scale is what uh, I'm a fangirl over was my original podcast, what I got into, um, which led me to a podcast called uh, Up and Vanished. Um, and to all the podcasts out there, you know, cheers to getting these cases talked about. But what I loved about what Up and Vanished did is they actually investigated the crime. And I thought their first season um, and probably subsequent seasons, but their first one for sure um, impacted, I believe, the outcome of that case. And the gentleman's actually on trial for the murder now. So when I saw that, I was like, wow, one person, you know, seeing what Payne Lindsay did there, I was like, one person can impact a case. And I, so then it gave me the courage to finally get out and start, you know, looking into the stuff myself and, and knowing that I could potentially impact cases also. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely so awesome and so like also crazy to think that just like any one of us could like if we really put the effort into it to go out and try and get the answers that people haven't been able to get and to shine new light on these cases and hopefully get closure and justice for you know these people who have gone through the absolute worst possible things anyone could go through I mean kudos truly I mean (laughs) that is a lot. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I kind of throughout my life, I've always been kind of a, you know, a dog with a bone. If I am onto something, I cannot refocus myself. So through my filmmaking, and I also realized I had a knack for investigating and 
which I think a lot of people have fear, which I just don't. I don't have a fear of asking people questions or asking people to be interviewed. You know, the worst case scenario is they're gonna say no to me. But one thing I think is really important is that I talk to everybody face to face because in a lot of the podcasts, you know, again, I'm so pleased that they're getting the information about the cases out there. So this isn't dogging on them, but a lot of times they're, they're getting their information from previously reported on information. And sometimes it can be wrong and then it becomes wrong and wrong and wrong. And then pretty soon it's like the game of telephone where one person said something and now it's like something that wasn't even ever initially said. So that's why I think what we do is so important is we actually talk to the people who were there. We go back to the sources who originally said the information to see if they still stand by it and if it's correct. And I think that's what makes our show really unique is that we're not just reporting off of what other people have said we're reporting off what the people who were there said yeah definitely and I absolutely love that I mean I've been watching the Kendrick Johnson investigation that was a case that I had become familiar with throughout my years of just loving true crime and the fact that you sat down with one of the first responders who had never really been interviewed by anyone I was just like how has no one really talked to this person? I mean, he was there. It's yeah. so like it, it boggles my mind. But again, it's work like that and the things that you do that it's just like, this is important because this is a side of the story that people aren't getting. Well, and it's, it is remarkable. I cannot even tell you, I would say probably 90% of the people we interview have never been even asked for an interview. So nobody even ever called and fact-checked their research with. We're, we're actually um, in the episode 17 of Kendrick Johnson. We have uh, someone on who has been absolutely dragged through the mud, who was able to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that what happened to the person shouldn't have happened. And it's it's because we went and talked to the person and we didn't just make a judgment call from what we were seeing in the articles and online. And if someone can prove to me with text messages and evidence, I will showcase that. And then I'll also ask the audience, you know, if, if there's things that they feel is untrue about what we're saying, you know, send me that information because I'll, I'll report on it. You know, if somebody's lying to me, I will showcase that in a subsequent episode. But, you know, if people can come with the correct evidence and it checks out, you know, we're going to back them on what they're saying. I think that's important to know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love that you fact check because I feel like most of us look at the news and the articles and things and just take them for face value because or just take them as fact because, you know, they're the journalists. They're supposed to be fact checking this thing. So the fact that you are coming in and being like, hold up, I need to do my own fact checking <laughs> is well, just incredible. Yeah. And it's actually really interesting because the first documentary I did, the, it's called Mallory, and it's about a 12 year old girl who committed suicide after being relentlessly bullied. And I was working with the family on that, obviously such a tragic story. But one thing I saw happen to the family is these news crews would roll in, you know, and again, they're just trying to get the story out. So I'm not dogging on them, but they would do a two minute news story over the story that like you had to hear the whole story to understand what actually had happened to Mallory. And so when I started to see that, I was like, oh, wow, I have this place where I can fill in all those gaps that you don't, you know, you feel unsatisfied sometimes when you read a news article or you see a two minute news story, you're like, hold on, how, what happened? How, like, I want to answer those questions for people. And that's another thing we do is there's a lot of myths around these cases that have gotten to epic proportions. And we go in and we actually look at those myths 
or to see if they're real or not real. So we're kind of like Mythbusters that way. We actually will we'll actually test out what how somebody says something happened and we'll see if it's practical. And a lot of times we either find out, oh yeah, okay, it didn't seem practical in our minds, but look how easy that was to do. Or we're like, hold on, something's really fishy here because we can't reenact that no matter what we do here. And so then it kind of allows the audience to see an unbiased look at a, a case and then they can decide for themselves. We're not trying to force, we do obviously start to come to conclusions and start to showcase that work, but we also show all of our work. So if someone wants to feel differently and they have basis for that, they, they can do that also. I mean, I think it's super important to always show your work. I mean, you know, feel like a math teacher, show your work. <laughs> but no, I do think it is important, you know, to be, you know, when you're working on these cases to just be as transparent as possible. So that way people can understand where you're getting in the, the information from how you're getting to that conclusion. But sometimes I'm always like, why do you have a different opinion? Like the it's where, where are you not seeing how some of these things line up, but oh, to your point, you know, everybody thinks differently, but you know, yeah. sadly, it's what you can prove in court in most cases for. Right. And I try to be very gentle with the people who I, in my mind, where I'm like, how could you even think that other way? Cause like, there's all this, like, how did you get there? But I try to be real because in any of these cases, I, I do feel like I can be very unbiased, but I also do have some thoughts about it. It's not that I go and not thinking that something happened, but I really try to put that aside. And I'm usually wrong initially. Like, that's what's so interesting. <laughs> it's like my initial thoughts. That's why I'm happy I can remain on bias because I allow the evidence to come in. I allow people's interviews to sink in. And then I allow that to drive my thinking rather than anything I saw in the case prior to starting it. So that mm -hmm. that way we can actually get to what I believe is the truth rather than having to get involved in stuff that's rumors, which I can quickly disprove or prove depending on what rumor it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I have to say the absolute like the quality of your videos. I mean, it's not just someone with a little video camera or their own computer camera like I have here you know, going around and doing this. Have you had like a history with film? Have you been doing that since beforehand? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'm 43. So but when my parents got their first home movie camera when I was eight, <laughs> That's when I like to say this started. My first movie was done in sixth grade called Best Friends at Night. You can't get it anywhere because it only was <laughs> ever shown to my class. But um, but then, you know, at the age even of 21, I made my first feature narrative film. And then it wasn't until about five years ago that I got into documentary. And when I got into documentary is when I realized I had a knack for investigating. But I think I had 20 years of shooting everything you can imagine, um, commercials, weddings, uh, uh, training videos, like you name it, I shot it. So I think what it gave me is this really amazing basis for showing, uh, showcasing a quality product that people want to watch because a lot of times people become disinterested because the audio is bad or the video is bad. So I try to make it as interesting as possible. I actually go into the towns and shoot. So you actually get not stock footage, you actually get footage of the town because I was there shooting. So I think that's what makes it really unique is that we don't cut any corners. And the only reason I had the capabilities is because I had all that experience leading up to starting this. So I can really make it look more like an interactive series that you'd see on say Netflix or Hulu, but bring it to a true crime audience and try to solve crimes with it. Use it for, for good in a way, so. Yeah, I mean, I watch it. I'm like, am I watching Investigation Discovery? Oh, nope, I'm on YouTube. Okay. Um, thank you. Yeah. That was the highest compliment. I love Investigation Discovery, so thank you. So do I. <laughs> but really, I mean, it is just, absolutely incredible, like the quality and everything about it. 
Now, how do you choose which cases you want to cover? So I kind of think that the cases choose me. <laughs> so the Robert B one was so weird. Uh, I just posted on Instagram. If anyone had any cases, this was before I had even started. So no one even knew who I was. Obviously, I had some documentaries out there, but nothing true crime investigative this way. So I didn't even think anyone was going to respond. And then all of a sudden, three people from the same town who weren't, they weren't like messaging off one another. They separately messaged me and said I should do Robert B. And I, I don't know, there was, I pulled up, I typed in his name and you see the picture with him missing his front tooth. And I was like, I, I just don't know, it was, it was right. And so I just was like, I'm just gonna do it. And I just drove into the town, so nervous, like didn't know if anyone would even talk to me. And then pretty soon everybody started coming out of the woodworks and wanting to tell me what they knew or how much they cared about Robert B or some of the trouble that was happening in the town in general. And I really appreciated that people responded that fast. Um, and then season two was my aunt, uh, not a case I was initially going to do because I was afraid it would rip apart my family, um, which it did. <laughs> but I, I stand by the fact that I am, I'm going to align myself with evidentiary facts that I believe are the truth. And if people choose to bury their head in the sand, that's their choice. I can't make them watch it. I can't make them understand what we know. Um, so it's, it was a hard thing, but I kind of thought to myself, if I'm willing to go in and investigate with somebody else's family, I have to also be showing that I would be willing to do that in my own family, because that's not fair. It's not fair to go in and do that and then not be willing to do that in your own situation when you have something hard going on. Um, and then the Kendrick Johnson case, I always wanted to know from the day that happened in 2013, I was like, this case is so weird. And I just, I wanted to get in there. I wanted to talk to the people and I wanted to see if I could figure out the truth. And I think we're getting very, very close to what happened to Kendrick Johnson. Yeah, I'm very excited for that particular series to conclude. I'm very, very excited for that because I need to know. Um, <laughs> Now, have you found that more people are willing to speak with you than not, or is it kind of a combination? It ramps up. It's really strange. <laughs> Sometimes with the Kendrick Johnson one, especially, I couldn't get anyone at first. So we were getting people in the community who just were talking about maybe some of the racism they had seen within the community, because those were the only people who'd interview with me. And they were great. I mean, they were, you know, one of them was head of the Mary Turner Project, which is a woman who was lynched in 1910. Um, another one was a professor at the college. Uh, and then we had a city councilman, Eric Howard came on. So we had all these like great individuals come on. But then that finally started getting, you know, we had the family members of the Johnsons uh, come out and interview with us. So gracious they did that. Um, the sheriff of the town has interviewed with me twice and has opened his doors, which has been amazing. Um, we have some unbelievable anonymous sources of people who are actually working on the case, but they're afraid of losing their jobs now. So they are feeding us information. So it's, it's kind of a balance between getting to the right people and then seeing what information they have, checking out that information and reporting on it. It's an ongoing series though. So we always are updating our facts because, you know, we put something out and I'm actually asking the audience to help me. If you feel like what we're saying is incorrect or there's something incorrect, show me that. And then in follow-up episodes, I'll address it. And if it's, if our findings were incorrect and now we have this new evidence or if what I was shown is possibly rumor and I can show why it's a rumor or why it doesn't hold water. So it really, people get 
get really feisty with me because they'll be like, ah, you're this, you're that. And I'm like, well, hold on, like ask your questions to me. I'm willing to, I will answer them. I'm not gonna hide behind uh, the computer. I'm going to answer your question, but you gotta give me a minute because it's a series. So I do get a lot of hate <laughs> constantly, which is very frustrating, but you know, mm. I understand these cases are volatile and people you know, want justice. And in Kendrick Johnson's case, we're dealing with potential racism involved. So I think it adds a new level of frustration to the case in general. But again, I mean, kudos to you. But I think, you know, if you're getting hate, you must be doing something right. You know, <laughs> you I mean, if there's what? people out there, if there's no people out there that disagree with you, you must be doing something right. <laughs> That's, yeah, the last uh, we have an episode coming out today at at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And we put some clips out and those clips have already I got blocked from Facebook groups. I um, got threatening messages and you know but and all of this there are there are times I want to just go hide in a hole or there are times I want to be like I can't do this but there are so many great supporters who are like no we see where you're going and I have to just sometimes lean on them and they're great I mean I, this week has been really really hard because of some of the information we found out at the Kendrick Johnson case and there are a lot of people very angry with me but it's I, I I'm showing the work and I'm showing why I'm getting to these places and I, I can't make people believe it but like I can't deny what I'm seeing either and it's unfortunate it went in a direction that I could not have predicted but it's we're there now and I can't get away from that and that's I'll follow the truth no matter the detriment to me or to what's happening because the truth I think is what needs to be always said yeah i mean people can want to live in their own little like you said you know they can put their heads in the sand you know or live in their own little version of reality that isn't fully reality but you're never going to be able to hide from the truth when the facts are there you know? right and that's that's really why i you know i often say to people you can tell me something different but you have to tell me why these three things were this way i say that all the time because i need answers to those because it makes sense and if, if you think it doesn't make sense, then why are these three things the way they are? So I often ask the audience questions, but it's really interesting when people can't answer those questions, you know, then I'm like, okay, well, maybe you're, maybe the information you have might not be correct. You know, look, just try to look at this a different way. You know, I'm not saying you have to agree with me, but maybe just see if you can uh, like take race out of it for the Kendrick Johnson case and just look at it if it was a human being or if it was your child on either side, how would you feel about it? And I think if you start to do it that way and just try to walk in those people's shoes, it makes you very sensitive to what they might be going through. Yeah. As I mentioned, you speak directly with the people who are investigating the cases and relatives of the victims. What is that experience like? Oh, uh, it's sometimes scary because I've gone into trap houses, um, uh, gone into buildings that were abandoned. Uh, I've been on uh, interviews where police have shown up mid-interview. Um, I have uh, been on interviews where uh, it was Sheriff Polk, uh, the investigative team that came in before us, the cameraman was arrested on. So it's scary sometimes because I don't make friends per se. I, I do try to always talk to the investigators. Sometimes though, if I don't think they did a nice job on the case, I'll say that. So sometimes I do feel afraid um, because of those things, but, but sitting across from somebody who is actually there is, is somewhat um, uplifting because you can tell they've wanted someone to ask them. You can tell that they've wanted to tell their story and they must just sit at home seeing all the new stuff come up and know it's certain parts of it aren't true and are like, 
what I'm going to post on Facebook. That's not true. Like nobody's watching. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, I give them an outlet to at least say what they, their truth is. And then, you know, we, just because somebody says it doesn't mean we don't investigate what they said. So we showcase that, but then we also dig through what they said just to make sure it holds water. If there's two sides of the case to see if the other side feels the same. Um, and that clears up a lot of those rumors. So it's an honor that these that people sit down with me. And I, I genuinely care about these cases and finding the truth. So for them to trust me in that way. And then, you know, a lot of times things are set off the record or there's parts that they don't want heard. Like I respect that hundred percent. Like it's kind of crazy. People will be like, oh, thank you. You did exactly what you said, but I do. If you tell me it's off the record, it's off the record. You know, I honor that because we do have a ton of anonymous sources that give us information. And I would hate if any of them ever felt afraid that I was going to say their name or say who sent that to me. So it's really amazing the people who come out. I mean, we've had a Senator send us stuff. We've had um, uh, coroners, police chiefs, like we've had all sorts of people send us the documents we need um, and are just like, don't say this. So it's really cool that we get that kind of support. And I think it's because they see the show and they see that we are interested in the truth. And I think that they want to help us get there, but they don't want to lose their job or their marriage or whatever it is that they have going on. So they just get us the information, we verify it, and then we show it if it's appropriate. I love that you have that like journalistic integrity to be like, I am protecting my anonymous sources. Cause I think some people don't realize how important that is. Cause like you said, I mean, there are other threats to these people outside of, you know, or with what's going on particularly and things like that. And they don't want to be known, or like you said, they could lose their jobs, things like that. Like, I don't think most, most people who aren't interested in journalism <laughs> wouldn't understand that. And, you know, I love that you do that. And I love that that is a part of this just because, again, it's very much like a journalist, like investigative journalism in a way. Yeah. But well, that's just way more. <laughs> no. And that's, but that's yeah, no. And that's exactly why we do it. You know, we want um, we want that information to come in. We want to look at it. And, and two, I think when people see us honoring what we said with other subjects, they become like, the, that's interesting too. As we investigate, people will be like, I've been watching for six months and I was too afraid to come forward. But as I see how you've treated people, I finally am going to say something. And, you know, and I think that is, I think it's so very important to do it that way because, you know, not everybody is able to talk publicly. Some of the stuff is very scary. We've had people on who have literally been afraid for their lives. And like, what, what am I, you know, what, what, if I even said their name, they are fearful that they could be hurt. So it's like to have to protect things at that level is so important. So we're really careful that we don't un, even on accidentally dock someone by like then giving away too much information about them. So you're able to figure out who they are. So we try, if we're going to say a name, we're going to say it. If we're not, we won't. And we'll honor those people who came to us with the information. Yeah. Now, how did you come up with like the formula, like slash layout of your show? Ooh, uh, so one, I think one big influence was the show Catfish. I hate to say that because I know it's about people catfishing, but I loved how they investigated who was uh, responsible for catfishing someone. I love how it was their journey. You fell in love with the hosts of the show. I know they've changed throughout the years here, but 
you know, you, you fell in love with them. It was actually the show was about them and how they were looking into this stuff and not so much about who was catfishing. So I tried to set it up that way. I wanted people who are interested in investigative journalists who like me as a host, because if you don't, you should watch something else. I'm sure I'd be annoying to listen to for a half hour every two weeks <laughs> if you don't like who I am. So, but I tried to do it that way because that's the audience I want. I want people who um, can intelligently look at information who are willing to. Um, I want the feisty ones who are going to ask the questions and show contrary information. I like those guys too. So I like people who want to see the facts, want to question them, um, and want to be part of that. So I, I designed it in a way where people could interact. Um, so episodes come out about every two weeks, two or three weeks, depending sometimes I'm doing this all in real time. So sometimes it's hard for me to get an episode out every two weeks, but, um, you know, so the, it's, so it's that ongoing series. So people are able to interact the whole time with sending me information, with asking me questions. I become friends with a lot of the people in certain cases because we go back and forth, even though I never meet them, but we literally go back and forth through the entire season where they're like, hey, I saw you did this. Have you thought about this? And they, they are the literally the ones who make the show. They, and I don't say their names because obviously these are anonymous people sending stuff, but they don't realize like I do use all their information. I take every email to heart and I am like, oh, that's a question I'm gonna have to answer on the show. Like I have a list of questions I get because I'm like, I want someone who's watching to feel satisfied at the end that I have at least tried my best to answer their question. So I think, I think that's what makes it unique though is you almost can participate in the show because yeah. it's ongoing and in real time. And that's also why we put it on YouTube because it makes it real accessible that way. And yeah, I really like that, that it's more, like you said, it's really like interactive kind of that way where they can, the audience can feel comfortable enough to reach out to you with information if they have it or, you know, have questions and things like that. And I feel like in most mainstream like video, um, like I like sometimes on investigation discovery, like in other like other types of documentary type series, you're not always getting the answers to the questions that you want. And I know this from like doing my own research and I'm like, and I'll bring certain things up in my podcast. I'll be like, so, you know, when watching this, they didn't answer this question. So right. what is going on here? <laughs> But it's yeah. like, I don't feel, you know, I don't have the means. I mean, I probably could, but who would listen to me? Like, reach. <laughs> but I think it's great that your audience can actually reach out to you specifically and, you know, share the information or, you know, share their questions. And I love that you take that into consideration and want to get those questions answered. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll take the person who's got the craziest theories about the case. As long as people are being respectful to me, that's the one thing I require is just to be, I'll be real respectful to you. Even if I think some of your thoughts are <laughs> kind of wild, I'll still be respectful and try to talk you through why I don't think those are correct. And we can stand on different sides of it. That's also okay. Not everybody has to feel the same way about everything, but I, I, I will uh, engage with them and try to get them to a point where either they're watching the episodes or are asking questions. So that's another thing too, is it should should be a forum for people to feel safe asking questions you know I, I don't like when people bully on even on my message board you know talk to each other with respect this is a some of these cases are really confusing and there's a lot of bad media out there so I, I don't blame people when they think something completely against the evidence because like you said, who's going to take the time to actually go to Valdosta, Georgia, or go to Pekin, Illinois, and talk to everybody? 
not many people have the resources or capabilities to do that. So I want to be that for them. I want to be their voice in asking those questions. So I love when, when I have contradictory things coming in because it makes me question too, oh, am I thinking about this correct? Could I be looking at this a different way? So it is what's really nice is I want it to be a safe forum on people who feel any way about the case to start asking questions. And I will do always do my best to answer those appropriately. So, yeah. Now, my last question before I let you go, I can't believe we're at like the end already. It's crazy how fast it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, how did you come up with the name for your show? Ooh, uh, you know, I mean, obviously just having the name Ash kind of set that up perfectly, but I did, I, when I was trying to think about it, all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, a you know, ashes to ashes. And so I was like, well, let's do ashes to ash because I thought it had that nice, true crime feel to it. I thought people would get that it's probably true crime right off the bat, which I wanted people to understand. Also, it's, you know, in a big part, it's my show, meaning the fact that like, I am the one investigating, I'm the one shooting, I'm the one editing. So it's all me in it. And that's why I say, you know, if you don't like me, that I probably, this probably is the show for you because it is all me. But, um, you know, and that's, I think is why I wanted to call it that because I do think I do um, nice film work. I create a nice product, but I also think we do really, really uh, deep investigations and really go into that. So I think for that, it just seemed like a very appropriate name for it. Yeah, I love it. That was one of the first, I was like, oh, I love this play on the ashes to ashes, you know, dust to the, you know, I was like, oh, this is, oh, and her name. Oh, I get it. I'm seeing it here. You know? yeah. Definitely went through that at first. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Thank you so much for being here with me. Can you let my listeners know where they can find you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's Ashes to Ash TV on YouTube, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, or sometimes you can type in Ashes to Ash True Crime. The second Ash is just A-S-H, not A-S-H-E-S. Um, a lot of people subscribe on the website. They get extra perks and get to see episodes early. Um, there's a cost if you want to subscribe on the website. The show's always free, however, because we want people to watch and call and tip. So those are for the extra special fans who want to help support what we're doing. And then that website is ashes to ashtv.com and they can subscribe on there. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. It was an absolute pleasure. No, uh, thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to be interviewed here. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, true crime friends, you've heard me talk about my amazing friend Mandy before. She makes the best crochet, cre-cut, and custom home decor for reasonable prices. If you're looking for a one-of-a-kind gift or some new decor to add some new life into your home, look no further. Mandy has got you. I have quite a few items from her, ranging from a crocheted headband to Halloween decor items to my amazing and adorable Coraline ornament. Um, if you guys haven't noticed, I'm like obsessed with Coraline and I just love how Mandy makes it. She's also made me a Coraline doll that sits next to all of my true crime books. To order, just slide in her DMs on Facebook and Instagram at Mandy Made It. That's M-A-N-D-E-E. -E 
Made It on Facebook and Instagram. Once again, go to Mandy Made It on Facebook and Instagram. Send her a DM and order today. Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime and Academia. Welcome to our summer season. We made it to summer 2022. I am here with Mary DePippi. Hi, Mary. Hello. I'm Andrew Rimby, the executive director. Mary DePippi is our chief contributor. Uh, Nicole Arguello is our marketing assistant. And Kimberly Dallas is our editor. So yay, our interns have positions. Okay. Yay. Um, please, please follow us on social media. We Mary posts so many creative things on her True Crime and Academia. How can they follow True Crime, Mary? At True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok. Okay. And then you can follow the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Twitter at Ivory Boiler Room. And at Ivory Tower Boiler Room on, ready? Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Okay. And you can email us. Um, we love to get pitched some episode ideas. So to do that, if you're a publicist out there, maybe you want to get one of your authors on our show, go to ivorytowerboilerroom at gmail.com. Uh, thank you to our audience, to our listeners. We're really excited because we have a lot going on on our Patreon. So Mary, do you want to maybe update everyone on our Patreon account? Yes. So aside from the content that we've already been giving you, we will also be having extra special episodes um, specifically for true crime. I will be having an extra bonus episode every month starting in June. <gasps> yeah. You can and the only same- get yes. that if you are a subscriber. Yes. So patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. That's it just slash ivory tower boiler room. And we already have a lot of bonus material. First, there is a full episode um, with Ursula Klein in our book corner. So you're going to see all of these new special series that are going to pop up in the summer on ivory tower boiler room. Yes, Mary will do it too on true crime and academia. You can listen to a teaser on our podcast, but guess where the whole interview is? on our Patreon. So only a cup, not a cup, but a large cup of iced coffee um, at any of our favorite coffee companies. Um, You only have to pay $5 a month. So please join. We will recognize all of you who join. We'll shout you out during the summer. Um, You can see our video interviews too. And if you want to become an ivory tower, $15 a month, three cups of iced coffee, uh, member, you actually will get our tote bag, our t-shirt. Um, there's more, there's more. Oh, our mug. Cup. I'm drinking from our mug. <laughs> I should, <laughs> for everyone who will see this, I'm actually holding it up. It's a very cool mug. So we are so excited for all of you to join us this summer. I love hearing from all of you. I know Mary loves hearing from all of you. Mm-hmm. Direct message us. We read them and yeah, check out our social media because we post so many clips from the shows. And I started to kind of finesse my way around TikTok. So Mary sees how <laughs> excited I get when I know how to add music and all these filters. <laughs> so um, on that note, um, please, please join us for our Instagram events this summer. We have a monthly book club. Every month we have our book club and we're going to start having television recaps Um, we're going to have another open mic poetry event at pen and brush. So stay tuned. I think we might have a Halloween party, but 
Just someone told me that. Okay. A little birdie. A little birdie. Okay. I think we got it all, Mary. So I think so. On that note, let's put a bookmark in this. Yep. Bye, everyone. <laughs>